Well, I'd like to begin this morning by asking you this question. How many of you love stuff? Raise your hand. You love stuff. Okay, go ahead. Raise it up. Now, uh, look around the people that aren't raising their hands. What do we call them? Yeah, you're a liar. You are a liar. We all love stuff. We love stuff. All of you on the stream, you love stuff. You love clothes stuff and furniture stuff and kitchen stuff and technology stuff. We all love stuff. I'm a recovering addict of stuff myself. And one of the things, the stuff that I love the most is sports stuff. Whether I pay tickets to go watch a sporting event or I simply buy things that are around sports. I love sports. And so when it comes to running, I have to have the best stuff that I can run in. Whether it's my shoes or, you know, my compression socks because I'm old now. Or all kinds of other running gear. And I love my football stuff and my baseball stuff and my basketball stuff. I just love sports stuff. And a few years ago, I actually decided that I was going to purchase this, which is a Gorilla Goal. And I spent a couple thousand dollars on it because it's a goal that can go up and down and I could actually dunk like LeBron James. Now, this picture that I took yesterday, I actually had to get on a ladder And my youngest daughter, Shiloh, took the ladder away so it looked like I looked really tough just for your laughter today. And we had to take several takes. And I want to ask you a question. See if you can answer this for me real quick. How many times do you think I play basketball on that goal in a month? One to two times a month. So over an entire year without I spent thousands of dollars for, it might be 20 times or so. And that is it. But I love my sports stuff. Now, let me ask you again. How many of you love stuff? Raise your hand. Oh, look at that. Everybody's got their hand up now. Yeah, let's be honest about it. We love stuff. I love stuff. You love stuff. We love our sports stuff. How many of you have ever, you don't have to raise your hand this time, uh, but those of you on the stream, join us as well. How many of you have ever bought stuff before that you can't afford? How many of you have ever bought stuff that you don't need? I mean, the reality is we love our, look, some people are confessing all over. They're like, I'm still there, you know. You don't have to do that. Uh, but, but we do. We have a tendency to buy stuff we don't need or that we really can't afford. And the reason we do this is because at a very early age, we learn a word that is the most powerful word for any 18-month-old, and this is the word, mine. It's mine. Mine, 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 mine. It is mine. And we hope that that gets out of us, but it doesn't. And 18 months, 18 month olds, they hold on tightly with tight fists to what they have. It's mine, mine. And they don't have open hands. But the reality is, as we become adults, we don't want to have the impression that we are tight fisted. We want to be generous. We want to be known as people who have open hands. Now, last week I shared with you a couple of different uh, kind of graphics, and the first one was called a scarcity cycle. 
And you might remember it looked sort of like this. It begins by God supplying. God supplies everything. And then what we do in a scarcity cycle is we consume it. It's mine. It's all mine. But then all of a sudden we get to a point where we lack something. We're like, well, I don't have enough of what I have. And so then we get fearful and then we go back to the cycle of being consuming again. And we consume and we lack and we have fear and we consume again. And this cycle goes on and on and on because we like our stuff. Well, God must have known that you and I would struggle with stuff and we would fear that we didn't have enough stuff or there wasn't enough that we could have for the end of the month. And so what happens is we create and we live in this mindset of scarcity. In fact, if you look at the Bible, 2,000, over 2,300 times, God talks about money, possessions, and stuff. Because he realized that we would actually struggle knowing how to be open-handed rather than tight-fisted. And because of that, we are often tempted to live within a scarcity mindset. Now this morning, we're going to look at one of the greatest stories that has ever been told from Jesus and a miracle that he provided in Mark 6. It is the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, to give you a little bit of context, uh, back in Jesus' day, it was a patriarchal society. That was a lot. Patriarchal society. And uh, what that meant is that men ruled everything. And so when crowds would be counted, they only counted the men. So if you read this closely, it says 5,000 men. But we know that we're so thankful we don't live in that society anymore. And that when Jesus did this miracle, it wasn't just for 5,000, but it was actually for maybe 15, 20,000 if you counted women and children as well. And so there is this story of abundance that we're giving. In fact, if you think about it, if you think of that group of people, he provided food for enough people that would be able to fill up Banker's Life where the Pacers play. Now, the beginning kind of starts like this in verse 34. It says this, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, now watch this, by this time, it was very late in the day, so the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Whoa, Jesus, look at the time. Like, it is already getting very, very late. And so, hey, Jesus, send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy, everybody say buy, buy. and buy themselves something to eat. And I can just imagine that Peter comes up to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, that teaching right there, it was lit. It was on fire. It was amazing. I'm going to post that on Instagram. But just in case you didn't know, Jesus, there isn't an Applebee's in this neighborhood. 
And so why don't you just release all the people, allow them to leave, and we need to eat as well, Jesus. We're kind of hungry. So why don't you get rid of all the people and uh, we'll go ahead and eat ourselves. Why don't you do that? Dismiss them so that we can eat. Then Jesus answers the disciples by saying, you give. Everybody say give. Give. You give them something to eat because this is what we do. When God provided something for us, this is what we do in the jar. We give to others. Now, when the disciples thought about having to buy, though, that much food for all of these men and then the women and the children, too, they get very overwhelmed. And this is what they said. That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? And so Jesus asked this question that I pray that many of you are going to ask yourselves today. And here's the question. You might want to circle it. What do you have? What is it that you have? What do you have? How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And so they did. And another text tells us that there was this little boy that simply had five loaves of bread and two fish. And this story leads us to our big idea this morning. This is your first fill-in for those of you on the stream. And here it is. The scarcity cycle starts in the mind, not in the wallet. The scarcity cycle always starts, first of all, in the mind and not in the the wallet. You see, folks, there were two different mindsets on this particular day, the mindset of Jesus and the mindset of the disciples. And the mindset of the disciples was that of a scarcity mindset. We don't have enough. We've got not much here. We're not going to make it. Not everyone's going to get fed. What are we going to do? That was their mindset. That's what the disciples believed. Let me ask you, Have you ever been there before? Have you ever felt like you didn't have enough? That you weren't going to make it? That the ends were not going to meet? And many times this happens because something unexpected takes place. We're going along, everything's fine, and then something breaks. It might be your refrigerator, it might be your car. You're going along, everything's fine, and then all of a sudden you have a medical bill that you thought wasn't going to cost as much as it does, but it does, and pretty soon those things hit us and we go, we don't have enough. It is ridiculous how much I need to pay with what little I have. There's no way I'm going to be able to make it. But here's the thing that I want to tell you today, and it's this. That if you choose to live in a scarcity mindset, if you choose to allow it to take root in your mind and you stay there forever, you'll live your life like that always. You'll always, always be there. You'll never have enough. Well, Jesus viewed this situation, though, very, very differently. He viewed this in the lens of abundance. And that is simply the belief that we have more than enough. Oh, we have five loaves of bread and two fish? Oh, that's more than enough. And the disciples say, oh, no, 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 that's not near enough. 
Now, if you fast forward to the end of the story, this is what the scripture says. They, how many ate? What's it say? How many people? They all ate, that is all 15, 20,000 of them. And they were what? They were, they were actually satisfied. So they had more than enough. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. Folks, Jesus not only fed everyone, he actually said, I've got leftovers. Now, how much leftover was there? 12 baskets. How many disciples were there? 12 disciples. Jesus said, you were so worried but I'm actually going to give you all a take-home sack to go home with as well. There were 12 baskets that were left. The disciples looked at the five loaves and the two fish and said, it's not enough. Jesus looked at it and said, oh, no, 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 it's more than enough. And that's the difference, folks, between a scarcity mindset and a mindset of abundance. John and Betty Britt, several years ago, found themselves homeless. And in the midst of this, they were struggling, as many people who are battling with homelessness do. But after a few years, and as they budgeted their money, and they had some people help them, they were able to actually get out of their situation. And five years ago, they actually landed here at the jar... And when they landed, Betty immediately was like, man, I want God in my life. I want Jesus in my life. But John wasn't so sure. He was kind of skeptical, not not sure that would happen. And so the two of them came together uh, and they would come, but Betty was having it. John wasn't. But over time, as they grew closer to God, eventually they finally gave their life to Christ and they got baptized. And when they got baptized, they Uh, Shortly after that, they were sharing with me that they listened to a message on tithing or giving or financially giving away. And they said, we decided that we didn't just want our heads to be baptized. We wanted everything to be baptized, including our wallets. That we weren't just going under the water with our wallet still up, but we were going to be, you know, taken with everything. That we were being baptized all together. And so they immediately, not being extremely wealthy, started to give away 10% of what they had to the local church. Now, as they were doing this, they didn't have to because they were only renting and they really wanted their own house, but they said, no, we're going to honor God with our finances. And then 2020 came and COVID hit and uh, they struggled financially like many people did. And they stepped out again. One day they were coming to church back in those days, you know, when we had social distancing, masks, all that horrible stuff that we had to go through. And as they were coming, they noticed there was a homeless guy on the stage at uh, Cannon Commons. And they saw him and they said, what can we do to help him? And so they went and they got a blanket for him, but then they decided we want to do something more than that. And they said, we're not going to have a scarcity mindset. We're actually going to bless and reach out to people who are homeless. And they didn't have enough financially to do it themselves. So they started praying again and again and again. And then all of a sudden they got that stimulus check. Anybody else get that COVID stimulus check? And some of you may have used that on many different things. But John and Betty said, we're not going to use it on anything except the homeless. And that's what 
they decided to do. They could have paid medical bills. They could have put something down on a house. They chose not to. And they started a ministry called God's Mobile Munchies to the homeless in Muncie. And so far, they've actually served 737 people, and they've given over 15,000 items away. Uh, Yeah, very, very cool story. And once a month, what they do is they go and they care for the homeless. They provide blankets for them. They provide little munchies that they can have. They provide other things that are needed for those who are homeless in our community. And a couple of weeks ago, they asked me to come and to pray, and there were a dozen or so people who were at this location that they were praying called The Hub. And it was there that we distributed all of this, and you could see that what an attitude of abundance, a cycle of abundance over a cycle of scarcity had done. And this is what the cool thing, because of what God had done, they received some more blessings financially, and they actually have their own home now as well. You see, God provided way more in abundance than whatever they said when they chose to put him first. Now, folks, let me be very clear on something. This is what we do. This is what we do. God gets in our lives. We place him first, and then he multiplies what we have because he's a generous God. Many of you have this mindset. I would say most of you do. When my bank account gets bigger, when my salary gets higher, then that is when I'll choose to actually be open-handed. But I have to tell you, if that's your thinking, you're actually lying to yourself. The truth is, the more that people make, the more closed-fisted they typically become. In fact, the average American gives away from their resources 2.8%. That's how much they give away. Now, check this out. If you make $100,000 or more, they actually give less. They only give 2.6%. That's what happens when we get more. We tend to go back to our 18-month attitude, mine, mine, it's all mine. And that is not an abundant mindset. The truth is, if you think about it, folks, everything we have is from God. He is an abundant God who gives many things to us. The problem is, is that many times we don't see it that way. We see it as our stuff. And when that happens, we just don't get it. The disciples didn't get it. Many times you and I don't get it as well. So Jesus had to redefine what abundance meant by taking the smallest of objects, five loaves of bread and two fish, to be able to feed an abundance of people. And if you live with a mindset of scarcity throughout your life, you will live with anxiety and fear and worry constantly because of that. Your life will be marked by that. In fact, Jesus was so convinced of this that he said, when I think about the purpose of your life, this is what you need to know. The thief, that is the evil one, wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But he said, my purpose for your life is that what? 
that you might have life and that you would have it more what? What's it say? Abundantly. And he says, I want you to have abundant life while you're here on earth. Everything, if you think about God's nature, is extravagant. It's abundant. It's about giving more and more and more. And in the same way, that's the way that he wants all of his kids to live, with an abundant type of mindset, more than enough. But for the, well, for the rest of our time, what I simply want to do is answer this question, how can we experience God's abundance? How can we do that? Well, the first way that we can do that is that God multiplies what is blessed. God multiplies what is blessed. In our story of the feeding of the 5,000, before the miracle actually takes place, we're told that Jesus tells the crowd to sit down in the grass. And then in Mark 6, verse 40, we're told this, they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, what does he do? What's it say? He blessed the food. The blessing of God on your life has a powerful, powerful thing that impacts it. And how does that relate to our finances? Here's the thing. When you return the tithe, when you return first back to God, he releases, he releases his blessing into other areas of your life. Now, I want you to look at this passage, and as you look at it, uh, to hold it for just a second, because I want to look at another passage that we talked about last week. It's found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Okay, that's not, see, some of you are like, oh, I never knew that one. For most of my life, that's what I thought it was, Malachi, and then somebody said, it's not Malachi, it's Malachi, okay? So Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, I had to wake you up. You're going to talk about money. Some of you are overwhelmed, so I'm trying to help you here. Uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Now, what do you need to know about Malachi? Malachi was one of the last three prophets before Jesus is born. And he speaks on behalf of God, and as he does, these are the words that he gives from God himself. He says, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, into the local church that there may be food in my house. Again, the word tithe means 10%. If you're not there, then you work towards it. You choose a percentage, you increase it by 1% until you get to that point. Then God goes on to say, test me. He says, I dare you. I double dog dare you to do this. Just trust me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to have store in it. Now, there's a phrase that's within this that says the floodgates of heaven. It's actually used three times in the Old Testament. Does anyone want to take a guess? Where's the first time that we hear this idea of floodgates of heaven? It's in Genesis It's a story about the guy in an ark. Who was that guy? Noah. And if you know that story about this flood, he floods everything. God floods everything on the earth. He says there was nothing that was not underneath water. God sent a ridiculous amount. Nothing was left untouched. 
So, how does God say he will bless you in Malachi? He says that I'll bless you with a flood gate, so much that you will not be able to hold it all. What he's saying is when I find a person who puts me first in their finances, that is a heart that I can entrust with more abundance into their life. Because this is what I know about me, about Chris Bunch. If my heart was only all about me all the time and God blessed me with an abundance of heaven, what do you think I would use that abundance on? Me. I would only use it on me. And it would be self-destructive and God would never do that because he loves me too much. And so he says, Chris, your life is not about you. It's actually about giving your life away to others and to my causes. And so because of that, God says, when I see a heart that has put faith in action, put me first through the tithe, and that's the heart, that's the heart that I can bless. That's a heart that I can release the abundance of heaven into their life. Now, what's really interesting here is what God says and what God doesn't say. God says that he will release the floodgates of heaven. He does not say, I will release the floodgates of the lottery. He does not say, I will release the floodgates of the local bank. He does not say, I will release the floodgates of your mutual funds. That is not what he says or any other kind of get rich quick kind of scheme. He says, no, 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 I'm not doing that. I will release the floodgates of heaven. Now, what is it that we know about heaven? What does God say about heaven? It will be an undiluted presence of God, indescribable joy and abundance that is always there. A few years ago, there was a woman in our church who had a horrible tragedy that took place to her. We'll call her Julie. Her husband molested their teenage daughter and was sent to prison. And when she was, when he was sent to prison, she had a teenage daughter and then a three-year-old and a one-year-old that now financially she had to take care of. If you've ever known someone who's gone to prison or you've seen someone, when that happens, the family doesn't get any money, folks. There's nothing that's there. They're left to have to do it on their own. And with her husband in prison... And her having to care financially for these three kids, it was overwhelming. And so she came to the storehouse, to the church, and different people stepped up abundantly to be able to care for her needs. But Julie actually wanted to be generous too. She didn't want to just keep it for herself, but she actually said, I want to be generous like people have been generous to me. And so this is what she did. She only made $35,000. She had three kids and she was renting her house. It was all that she had. And she decided, I'm going to give 4% of my income to the church and I'm going to increase it by 1% each year until uh, God would provide me to a tithe. And she eventually got up to 8% that she was giving away, making that little money with three kids and her husband, her ex-husband incarcerated. And I remember talking with Julie one day, and she said, you know, when I started working toward the tithe, God not only helped me financially, but 
What's weird is the blessing went beyond my finances because I actually grew so much closer to God and I started reading the Bible and I became a better parent to my children. And every time I would walk into the jar, I would get goosebumps because of the band playing and what was said and there was this impact of God's spirit on my life. And I've become a better friend and I've learned to be generous to others and I always want to do that. And I knew I didn't have a lot, but any of the clothes that my kids had, I would make sure we kept them nice and then we would give them away to other single moms because I knew the struggle that I had gone through. And she said, and then I just started praying for a godly relationship. And three years after she had got to this 8%, she started praying more and more for this godly relationship. God actually brought a godly man into her life. And that man adopted all three of her kids. And that man then said, we will be a house that's generous. And he and Julie together have been a tithing, generous family during this entire time. And I talked to her a few months ago and I said, how's it going, Julie? And she said, you know what? God has redeemed everything in my life and I have never been happier. And folks, that is what abundance is about. Nothing in your world would be untouched. So as we wrap up today, let me ask you this question. Is that what you want? Many of you would say, yes, I want God to multiply things. And God's saying, you know what? I'm waiting for you to give. Once you do that, and I can trust you within that, it starts with faith. Because as you give, as you tithe, or you work towards the tithe, God will release his blessing in other areas of your life. And there will be no part of your world that will go untouched. Now, when you walked in today, each one of you in your program or on the app, if you're on the stream, there's a little card that uh, gives you opportunities of how you could give. Some of you might say, I want to know how to do that. And you could do that through this. And in your program, there's an insert that can show you how to do that. And you could choose today, hey, I'm going to be like Julie. I'm going to do 4% or I'm going to choose to tithe. I could do it right now. I could do that. And then just the last fill in, and then we're going to close in prayer. And it's this, that God not only multiplies what is blessed, but secondly, God multiplies what is given away. When God gives you something and you give it away, he blesses that. At the end of the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, we know that there were 12 baskets that were given, representing the 12 that had doubts that they could feed them all. He says, I'm going to give you. But how did it happen? Jesus, it says in Matthew 14, 19, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves of bread. He gave them to the disciples, and the disciples did what? What did they do? The disciples gave them to the people. It was only once the disciples gave it to the people that the miracle came. All four Gospels don't say, Jesus prayed for the bread, he broke it, and immediately it multiplied. No, it says he prayed for it, he broke it, he gave the disciples, and as the disciples gave it to other people, then the miracle took place. The miracle took place when people chose to give to others. And my question today 
for each one of you is this. What needs to leave your hands so that you can give to others? What is it that needs to leave your hands so that you can give to others? Let's pray. God, we uh, thank you so very much for the fact that you provide for all of our needs, that you bless us beyond measure. Loving God, thank you for blessing each of us with more than we deserve. And today, maybe you're sitting there, you're on the stream right now, and you're living in a cycle of scarcity right now. You're like, I just don't know if I have enough, but man, from what you taught in this story of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, I'm believing, Chris, I'm believing that you could actually, if you give this to God, that, that maybe I could change and have an abundance lifestyle. And so today, with no one looking around, just between you and God, if you want to move from a scarcity lifestyle to one of abundance, and you're like, God, I need your help, though. I can't do it on my own. I invite you to just raise your hand. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for every hand that is raised. Bless every person in their family and their home. God, would you prove yourself faithful as our provider? And these people who are saying, God, I'm choosing to want to move towards abundance, that you would help them to budget money, to do what they need, to be able to start giving and working towards maybe even a tithe. God, would you give them courage now to trust you in what you've given because you are a God of abundance. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, maybe some of you are here today for the first time or you're on the stream for the first time and you're like, hey, that was cool, that thing on abundance and what God has done through people's lives is they've put him first. And some of you might be like, you know what, though, I've never put him first. I've never committed my life to him, but I want to. And the problem is, is I've always had a scarcity mindset in my own relationship with God. I just never felt like I was enough. I didn't have enough. I couldn't be enough. And this is what I want you to know. You alone, you're not enough. Me alone, I'm not enough. But this is what God did that's so cool. He said, you are enough, so what I'll do is I'll send my one and only son from heaven to earth, and he'll die on a cross, and he'll take on all of your sins, anything you've ever done before, and I will give you abundant life here on earth with me. And because he is a God of abundance that goes beyond just this life, three days after Jesus died on a cross, he rose again as a symbol of eternal life, that I will bless your life eternally beyond that that you will be with me forever. And maybe today for some of you, you're like, I don't want to live in a scarcity mindset anymore when it comes to God. I want his abundance in my life. I want to give my one and only life to him. And if today you're ready to give your life, to say, I need your love, I need your grace, I want that forgiveness, I want to know that I have a place with you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself but it's one that we pray together in community. And I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. 
Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life. Because you died for me, I choose to live for you. I want to live my life for you alone. I put you first today. In Jesus' name, amen.